0: Everybody's lives, they are all, everybody here, our lives are drawn through changes. And we go through in our life times of change, um, difficulties and stress and illness. And so, wherever you're from, whether you're from the monarch, queen, Elizabeth, right down to the destitute, the homeless, I suppose if you did a survey, there would be nobody at all that has never felt that they'd like to run away. Literally, run away or walk away at least from your current problems. And we've talked briefly at the beginning, haven't we, about this man called Jonah Who did actually run away from God? He just couldn't cope with things. But we wish to study somebody different, um, and so you'll know the name. We are studying this great prophet. His name was Elijah. And he did actually run away. And you might say, well, not surely, he didn't run away, he was a great prophet. He was a famous prophet of God. He was raised up to, in this dreadful period of apostasy, by Israel. He was raised up to bring justice and judgment. So that this great nation of Israel, in its early fledgling years of life, if you want, it could prosper and it could grow yes he was a great prophet Elijah possibly the greatest prophet alongside Moses and um, hundreds of years later he actually appeared in the trans what's called the transfiguration this was hundreds of years later with Moses and with Jesus on the mountainside. And if you look at on point one on your sheet, you'll see I've given you the reference. This is some many years later. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him, led them up a high mountain when they were alone. There he was transfigured before them. His, mos- his clothes were dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach. And appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking to Jesus so we'll see then that this story it does teach us that the greatest of all men and this man was a very great man Elijah a very godly prophet yet he was not perfect and Even the greatest of men and women, they're sinners and they're imperfect. And doesn't it teach us then to, where are we to look to for perfection? Were we to go to the Lord Jesus? Now there you will find perfection in all its beauty. And I'm very pleased when I look round, I see these lovely posters about trust And that's what we need to do, don't we? We need to trust the Lord in our life. I ask you this morning then, are you doing that? Are you trusting him for all your future, whatever next week holds? If you are, you're on safe ground. You can leave it with the Lord. But if you're not, if you're looking to man or woman, For perfection, whether it's your boss, whoever it is, however good that person is, and excellent, you will be disappointed. So I'd like to look this morning then, a little at this Elijah story, and it's the story that we've just read And it's not often told, is it, that this bit of the story? We tend to look at the exciting bit that was before where Elijah defeated um, the prophets of Baal. So let's just look at a little tiny bit of background to get context for this story. So here is Elijah. He's a prophet of God. Um, If you read earlier chapters, he appears on the scene very very suddenly you're not told about his upbringing where he came from anything like that you're just told there was Elijah he went to see King Ahab and tell him there's going to be a famine that's all you 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 actually read and you'll know he disappeared very dramatically at the end of his life he didn't die but we'll come on to that So Elijah lived in King Ahab's reign. King Ahab was a very wicked king in Israel, probably one of the most wicked of all the kings, and there were many of them. He was married to Jezebel, and she was a very wicked woman. And she led the whole of the nation into Baal worship and idolatry and so after several miracles have been performed by Elijah this is where we pick up this bit of the story and as I've said you're, perhaps the, the most well known of all the miracles by Elijah is actually when the prophets and the gods of Baal were destroyed at Mount Carmel now, God's mighty power had been seen by many, and the power of God had rested on Elijah. It had been given to him. And this had been, was a mighty act that Elijah actually performed. But after that, Elijah, he's exhausted by all that's happened. And Jezebel, of course, she was enraged as her Baal prophets, they'd been killed. And Elijah, he was a constant thorn in her side. And she wanted him dead, as we've read. That's what she wanted. And that's the context Elijah is in. And Elijah, he experiences the fatigue he experiences that and he's discouraged after this great victory as well as the end of the three-year famine of rain it would appear wouldn't it from what we've read Elijah he didn't appear to get any thanks from anybody from what he did from the king, perhaps you wouldn't expect it, King Ahab, or Jezebel of course, they just wanted him dead. But he felt alone and you can understand that. He felt wronged. I wonder whether you and I feel the same sometimes. I hear you say yes, I do. You may do something really good, really good for somebody or something. You get no thanks from even the people you actually helped but you know god does see everything he sees all that you've done and you will never lose anybody will never lose from doing the right thing and in this account god saw All that was unfolding with Elijah and we begin to see in what we've read God's very very gracious intervention we see his grace and his patience his long forbearance and we see his love it's a wonderful thing isn't it what a spectacle this must have been just imagine it Elijah has performed a great miracle calling down fire and it consuming this huge sacrifice and all the water and he, Elijah, had seen the mighty power of God and he'd been given extraordinary strength and bravery to do all this but then all of a sudden It's all over. His strength and his bravery somehow seems to wane. And exhaustion does set in. You may say, well, where did his faith go? How awful, you may say. But wait a minute. You and I have been in exactly the same situation, haven't we? You may have been blessed spiritually or providentially in something really wonderful. Prayer's been answered for you and you praise God. Your faith has soared and all is well. But soon afterwards, the devil seems to come along and say, "What well, did this all really happen? And you're tried and the devil says to you just like way back in the Adam and Eve account has God said and somehow your faith seems to slip away now we mustn't underestimate the power that Jezebel this wicked queen had the priests of Baal and yes Elijah, he got very, very scared. His courage then turned to fear and he finally snapped. I wonder whether you've had a similar incident in your life. All of a sudden or finally, you just cannot face life. You're desperate and you don't know what to do. I recall a period in my life many years ago when God spoke to me. And it was similar to this. But finally, he did speak to me, God, from Psalm 42. And he said this to me, Hope thou in God. And those four words, they've been with me all my life. And they're like capital letters Above me, many, many, many days of my life. It's a wonderful thing. So, finally, then, reason and faith they desert Elijah and he just runs. Now, we may say, then, well, we're inspired with Elijah at Mount Carmel. It's a wonderful thing what he's done. But then we're shocked at his vulnerability right now just a few days later. I've prepared and you'll see this map which is quite amazing. It is to scale. There's a scale up the top there that shows the miles or the kilometres. And it will surprise you. If you look carefully at that scale I've plotted this reasonably accurately. You'll see the vast distances that Elijah actually travelled when he ran away. And we're told Elijah, he was a very strong man. And he could run, run very fast, run faster than chariots even. Similar to John the Baptist, he was a very strong man. So here we have Elijah He's finally broken. Now, do notice it's mainly the fear of Queen Jezebel. That's the main source of his fear. And in point two on your sheet, I've written down, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now, he didn't just run down the road. This is amazing. He ran on and on and on. And I've worked out approximately, this is a distance of about 300 miles. Yes, you heard right, 300 miles to the desert and beyond. Why did he go so far? Was he afraid of Jezebel enough to travel to another country which, as it was then, was desert and no man's land? Here you see this mighty man of God running away. Our teaching from God, isn't it, is to fear not. Fear, it's a great foe that mankind has. And we all suffer with it. So much so that if you look in the Bible, there's 365 fear nots, or the equivalent words. Now that's remarkable. God's people, they are a fearing people. They are. And that's why Jesus, quite often, he tells us to fear not. If you look in the Gospels, point three in your sheet Matthew 28 verse 10 Jesus said do not be afraid he's saying that to you and me this morning as well don't be afraid fear not you're trusting me and I'm looking at these wonderful posters and I'm seeing the word trust all round. it's great and that's what we've got to do Now, if such a good man and godly man as Elijah came to such a state of exhaustion and fear, it does follow that ordinary mortals like you and me will be the subject of the same fears, and we are. The Bible says this, I think it's in Proverbs, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Now, the opposite of fear is Trust, and it's in front of us. We're exalted, aren't we, in the, the songs that we sing, trust and obey. There's no other way but to trust in Jesus. Now, moving on then we don't read of any Elijah's companions, and he must have had many, going after him apart from his servant who was with him they weren't persuading him to come back. No wonder he felt alone and that nobody cared. And in our lives, sometimes we feel exactly the same. After some crisis in your life, you do feel isolated at times. What are you to do? Well, there is an answer it's in point four first of Peter chapter five verse seven casting all your care on him for he careth for you isn't that a remarkable tender piece of scripture here is the Lord saying he cares for you and me we're to cast that's with some force all your burdens cast them on the Lord so here is Elijah then he's running after a day's journey he sits down he's exhausted and he finally gives in to the tempter and he says God let me die quite an awful thing in one sense to say isn't it he doesn't see any way out you know in real life in the current problems that we all have perhaps some here have been that there we know of some Christians that yes they're going through so much they do just say I just want to die I can't take any more so we sympathize we empathize we do but you know God is in full control of our lives he is so much so he you and me we will never live a day longer than God has ordained never and you'll never die never a day before he is ready to receive you in heaven that's quite remarkable we used to sing this song years ago it's quite quaint but it says this about our cares my life's minutest circumstance is subject to his eye I'll repeat it my life's minutest circumstance is subject to to his eye the great all seeing eye of God so if we believe that it can be a great comfort that our times are completely in his hands now in this narrative then or story we see God's gentle loving kindness and care And it's coming into play right here. God could have said, Well, Elijah, you've gone off in a strop. That's what we say these days. You've left the vital work of my kingdom, which I entrusted to you. You're my prophet. You've left my loved people without your ministry and guidance. Now I'll leave you to get on with things by yourself. He could have justly said that, but he didn't, and he can't. What did he say? God steps in and says, as it were, enough, enough. And he instructs his angels to go and to minister to Elijah. What amazing mercy And loving care, God's care, to Elijah. And he gives, through the angels, Elijah a deep sleep. He provides two meals by the angels. Sleep is a wonderful thing. I can remember many years ago when I had a breakdown... All I wanted to do is sleep, which I did. And Looking back, I was very thankful I could just sleep and sleep. It's a great restorative, isn't it, sleep. And that's what he gave to Elijah. But think of that one, the wonderful condescension of these angels guarding over Elijah, giving him sleep, supplying food, giving him strength. You look at point five you'll see how God provided for Elijah in different ways God provided for Elijah's needs in a different a number of ways the first one that we know about ravens brought him food then there was the widow in gentile, gentile Sidon miles away he prov- she provided the cruise, the cruise of oil and the barrel of meal which lasted three years now here we are God's angels providing food Then God has given strength to Elijah as he travels these many many miles now go back over your life Hasn't he provided for you? Yes, he has. Scan your life and your memory. See how God has provided for you in the difficult times that you've had, in different ways that you didn't expect. Oh, you know, he is the God of miracles. Now, you might say, just what is Elijah trying to do, travelling this vast distance Is he trying to get away from God? No, I don't think he is. Probably the opposite. He's thinking, if I can get right down to Horeb, Mount Sinai, where Moses was given the law and the commandments and where God was dwelling, as it were, then I can speak to him about these things. And if you look at point six, I've said this. This is a scripture. Moses brought the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And the law was brought by God to Moses in Mount Horeb. And then grace and truth came by Jesus much later. So he thought well, if I can get there, I can confront God and speak to him face to face and talk to him about these things. And in his mutterings, if you like, to God and the angels, Elijah does teach us some deep things and we need care with what and how we pray. You know, God does hear every prayer that we pray. He does. But care, pray in friends here, with what you pray for, because God will answer your prayers in his time, but in his way, and it may be a way that you don't expect. How he sees fit to answer prayer It may be different, it may not be to your liking. And God answered prayer of Elijah some 10 years later it was. Elijah had prayed, can I die God? I'm fed up with all this, I can't take any more. Please can I die? Now God heard that prayer and it was 10 years later He answered it in a remarkable way, but he didn't die. We'll come on to that. Well, he was taken to heaven, as you know. Going back to your life's pathway then, now hasn't God watched over all your wanderings, supplying all your needs that you've had? Think, scan back on your life. Health problems perhaps, strength, finance, job, employment and much more. But God hasn't he and yes he will, he does. He helps you through trials, he does. You see he knew exactly how Elijah was feeling. He was not going to let Elijah perish. So, off went Elijah from Beersheba to Horeb. This distance of, keep saying it, but it's worth stressing, 300 odd miles. The Bible account says he travelled 40 days and nights. Now, care here for me, but does that mean he travelled at night time as well? If you look at the reading, It says he travelled 40 days and nights. I'm not sure, but nevertheless, 40 days in total. Now, if you do the maths, work out 300 miles divided by 40 odd, you get seven and a half miles a day. Now, that tells us, doesn't it, that travelling for him was not easy. It would have been through desert, rocky, mountainous even, I don't know. A difficult journey for Elijah. And our journey as well will be difficult in life, more difficult if we're disobedient. I think that's the teaching here. It will be more difficult if we're disobedient. And God will chastise us so we do learn. However, at last, Elijah does arrive at Horeb, the mountain of God. And again, we won't go over this story. It's for another time. But he thought that God would appear in a dramatic way. But he didn't. It was in the still, small voice. But he does say, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah is still complaining, really. He complains as though it's God's fault. And so often we do, don't we? He got his accusations all wrong. I imagine at that stage, Elijah went very quiet. You see, looking for big actions, it's not usually God's way, and it isn't with us, is it? it's in the still small voice of circumstances in your life not the audible voice perhaps but God goes out of his way to reason in a very wonderful way with a still indignant Elijah and he tells Elijah look There's 7,000 faithful ones. So when God said to Elijah, what are you doing here? It was a reproof. Fleeing his own country, God's work. Now God explains to Elijah, look, there's an unfinished work to attend to. And that is the way that you and I often get it wrong. Did Elijah say sorry to God? I hope he did. Don't know. Do you and I, when we get things wrong, we don't always. So, beginning to end this part of the account, God says, now go back number seven on the sheet. God's specific instructions notice that, they're pacific go back anoint Hazel anoint Jehu and anoint Elisha it should be, sorry there's a misprint there that should say anoint Elisha to be your successor you can't get the typist these days did you do this? No, I did it. Sorry, sorry. My mistake. That should read of Elisha. I'm, I'm sorry. And so God says, look, you must go back. Now, you may have some fences to repair. You've got to go back the way you came. There may be some apologies. Perhaps God is speaking to us all here today. Go back and put things right. And these are pacific instructions. We'll look at them in a bit more detail next week, God willing. But he says they're pacific. Go back and anoint Hazel and Jehu and listen to this. There's wonderful news for Elijah because You know, he thought, well, I don't know how I can cope with all this. I've got to go back to this land. I've got to carry on the work. And God says, to his great surprise, I'm sure, I've got a replacement for you. His name is Elisha. Now go back and anoint him. What a relief and wonder that must have been for Elijah. Yes, he would have praised God. And we read in the account, he did return, no arguments. Next week, we hope to look at his return. Let's end with Jesus. What a faithful, unchanging friend he is. When he speaks to you and to me, we're surprised, we're shamefaced at times with our lack of trust, but our heart is softened as he speaks to us in his great tenderness and his care and his love. And then we're made willing to follow him in difficult paths, perhaps, remember this to get to the mountaintop you've got to pass through the valley right down there and look at it spiritually sometimes there's no other way to the mountaintop but to start at the bottom of trial and go through the dark valleys now he then He's your helper. You can rely on him. you can trust him. Trust and obey. There's another little song we used to sing many years ago. It's by Beridge. It's such a lovely line. I'm going to read it to you. It's a prayer. Then let this mighty Jesus be an all-sufficient help for me." Isn't that beautiful? If we can just trust the Lord, all will be well, ultimately. Then let this mighty Jesus be an all-sufficient help for me and for you. May God bless these remarks. I hope they've been helpful and encouraging. And next week, we hope God willing to study Elijah how he goes back and the lessons we can learn from that. May God bless his word. Amen.